Thanks so much for listening into the Saints Hill Church podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth. And we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and to make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father. And if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. In you I find my joy. So good to be here with you guys. Let me pray. God, we give you all the glory. <laughs> Holy Spirit, pour yourself out on this place. Now prepare our hearts uh, for what you have for us and, and open them. Amen. Amen. Hey, real quick, turn to Matthew 18. That's where we're going to be tonight. Um, and we'll have it up on the screen here too so you can follow it there. But it's always good to bring your Bible uh, or your phone, I guess. Um, well, as most of you know, or maybe some of you don't, we were in a long, 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 long series on Acts, and we're done with that. And last week, we started something different, and, and the direction that was given to us uh, was to talk about whatever you want. <laughs> and so, but what's really interesting about that is that without any of us consulting, it's really God's just like this. He's weaving something together, sewing something together um, that I think he wants all of, it, all of Saints Hill to hear. Um, and it has to do with matters of the heart. So we're going to talk about it again this week. If you weren't here last week, please, please, please go listen to Jake's um, teaching on uh, how to guard your heart. And it's a good segue into what we're going to talk about today. Um, what Jake used as a reference, I just wanted to share this because I love this passage of scripture so much. Uh, it's one of my favorite. I have like 500 favorites, but this is one of them. Um, and he used the text in Proverbs 4, uh, 23, and in the New Living Translation, it says this, above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything else you do. And he didn't look at these, but I love these uh, couple verses that precede it. And it says this, pay attention, my child, to what I say. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate deep within your heart, for they bring life and radiant health to anyone who discovers their meaning. And then it says, above all else, guard your heart. Uh, you know, as I, as I looked, that, looked at that and listened to Jake's teaching, one of the things that came to my mind, or the question that came to my heart is, what part of my heart haven't I totally given and surrendered to him? Question we need to ask all the time, isn't it? Well, tonight, I'm going to take you through a subject that is both very, very sensitive, but very powerful, uh, without trying to sound like your dad or your boss, but maybe a lot like your dad, I guess. Um, so Austin, can you come up real quick? Austin, I was wrong. And I was selfish in my thinking and my actions. And my words to you were sin. And I know that they wounded you. Will you forgive me? Jim, I totally forgive you. Yeah. 
<laughs> I contemplated walking off after that. <laughs> Isn't that enough? <laughs> um, the words of forgiveness are rare, um, and those words that we just spoke to each other are rare, but according to the scriptures, they're not optional. <laughs> In Matthew 18, Jesus tells a, a story in response to Peter's question. And he starts out by saying, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to, and then he goes on to tell us a story about forgiveness. I've always missed that part. Um, and what he's telling us is that a family of believers that does forgiveness well looks an awful lot like the kingdom of heaven. And we talk a lot about that around here. Well, let's look at uh, Matthew 18. I think it's up on the screen. There's a New Living Translation. And it starts like this. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to and here he goes, a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with, servant, with uh, servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors who was br brought in owed him millions of dollars, and he couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity. Other translations say his master was filled with compassion and he released him and forgave his debt. But the man left the king and he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. And he had the man arrested, put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. And they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And the king called in the man that he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous, remember that word, tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. And then Jesus finishes with this sentence. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wow. What's Jesus getting at when he says that, that my heavenly, uh, what, uh, that's what my heavenly father will do to you? What's the consequence? He's not talking about our salvation. He's talking about our fellowship, our freedom, our relationship with him. He's talking about the posture of our heart. No matter how hard it might be for 
to Austin to for, have forgiven me, if he refused, he'd be imprisoned in his heart to some degree. And that, re, that word refuse, and it's in the living translation, but that re, word refuse is helpful. What destroys us is the settled position in my heart that I'm not gonna forgive. It just hurts too bad. I'm angry, I have no intention to forgive. I'm gonna hold on to this grudge. Do you even know what they said to me? I'm gonna play it over and over again in my mind and I'm gonna hold on to my wrath when I go to bed and I'm gonna hold this against him for the rest of my life. Listen, what Jesus wants us to know is that if we're going to be a people that looks like the kingdom of heaven and filled with the spirit, then we must make war against that attitude, amen? This might be, uh, well, let's, let's go past that one. Jesus makes the same uh, statement in, in Matthew 6, the exact same statement he meant at the end of this story. And it starts out like this, one that we're familiar with. It's the Lord's Prayer. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We say that a lot around here. But he continues, I mean, and that's, that's good. Uh, but he says this also, give us today your daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then he's done and the next sentence is this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sin, your father will not forgive your sins. Wow, that's Jesus talking again to us. Powerful, powerful words. And this verse comes in the middle of his teachings on anger and divorce and vows and revenge and love for families, giving to the needy, prayer and fasting and finances. And if we read really, really carefully through those passages, we will find the same theme over and over and over again. And it's heart posture, heart posture, heart posture. In Colossians, Paul says this, and I think it's up here. There it is. Thank you, Evan. Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must, must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all else, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And that's beautiful. But you still might be saying, yeah, Jim, but sometimes forgiveness is really hard. Anybody ever seen Forrest Gump? Just a, you're going to see it again tonight. Evan, you want to click this on real quick?
Sometimes I guess there just aren't enough rocks. That that always grabs my heart, you know. When I was thinking through this, that 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 scene came to my mind, and um, I'm just hoping that Forrest sat down with her and told her about what forgiveness was about. There's a lot of stuff going on there, and some of you you know about that. Um, maybe for you, it's something that happened in your childhood, or maybe it's an abusive mate. Maybe you feel neglected or cheated wrongly fired, slanderous words spoken against you. Uh, Maybe it's something that happened this week or even this afternoon. Whatever it is, unforgiveness can hold you hostage. (laughs) But forgiving sets you free. And tonight we want to see you set free. Amen? Forgiveness cancels a debt. Forgiveness is a decision you make, a choice you make. It's an act of obedience. It's not first and foremost an emotion, although it carries a lot of emotion as we just saw. It's a decision we make to no longer credit an offense against an offender. Or like in the story we just read that Jesus told. Or like in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says to keep no record of wrong. Either the one who commits the offense must ask for forgiveness or the one who has been sinned against must bear the pain and the loss. And the person who forgives no longer expects to be repaid for the suffering and the loss. Someone always has to pay. Forgiveness can operate on two levels, unilateral and transactional. Do we have that up there? Great. And let me explain. Unilateral forgiveness is when you forgive a person that hasn't asked for it, requested it, repented of it. And why in the world would you want to forgive someone who doesn't want it, didn't ask for it, or in your mind doesn't deserve it? The reason you grant unilateral forgiveness is so that you can keep going. It could be that you're being held hostage for something the other person may never get right. (laughs) I might be waiting around for someone to ask me for forgiveness, and if they never say they're, they're sorry, I'm held hostage by what they do or don't do. And you might not know where they are. Or here you go, how about this one? Or maybe that person died, and they can't say they're sorry, and you're being held hostage by a dead person. When you forgive, you are giving up what you think is your right to get even. Nothing will hold us hostage, keep us in chains, keep us from the abundant life filled with the Spirit like unforgiveness. But ah, there's that, that joy that comes when we know that forgiveness sets us free. Amen? Some of you have talked to, have experienced the freedom that has resulted for forgiving someone that's never yet asked for it. And what a joy it is to watch you go through that. There's just a release from it. And Kathy and I have talked and prayed with a lot of you that have been wounded by a family member or a friend, someone who's never said they're sorry, and then yet it happened later. There was repentance and forgiveness and that transaction that took place.
And some of you are just working from a good tender heart and it's hard and you're discovering just like Peter, how many times do I forgive? 70 times seven, Peter. Don't keep count. <laughs> I mean, I think Jesus didn't say that, but I think that's what he's thinking maybe, huh? We ask when we get there. A year ago uh, in March, right when all this started, uh, my Suburban was stolen out of my driveway. And uh, while we were home, <laughs> um, and, and then the next morning I walk out and I sit on a bench. Some of you have seen it that have been over to our house. It's the bench and, and when it's not an ice storm, I usually get out there with a blanket and when it's warm, not. But I'll have my cup of coffee and sit with the Lord and pray and read the word. And I was doing that this morning or that particular morning and I'm just sitting there and I'm kind of glancing around. I look over and my Suburban's not there. And first of all, panic kind of set in. I go, I'm looking around the corner. We're on a corner lot to see if I parked it somewhere else and I never do that. But I'm looking for this thing and you can imagine all the emotions that went through me at that time. I was feeling angry and violated and every time I walked out and saw it in that empty spot in the driveway, I was reminded of the offense that they did to me. And frankly, the temptation was to replay it over and over in my mind. If only I could have caught him the act, I would have. And that never would have turned out so good. There's some of you that would have went out there, caught him in the act and said, hey, can we just pray before you take off with my Suburban? <laughs> I know some of you could have done that. They say, and oh, by the way, uh, I have a spare set of keys in the title. Let me grab that real quick too. And then you'd say, and what's your name again? Bill, Bill. Okay, Bill, God, would you just bless him and, and not hold this offense against him and show him how much you love him in Jesus' name and then just wave as he goes. That's not what I was thinking. <laughs> I had to forgive him over and over and over again through the next month or two more than once, so I could move on. And, and you, some of you might be sitting there thinking, Jim, is this even biblical? <laughs> well, let's look at a, a real quick story. I'll tell you about it. It's, it's real fast. But in, the, in Acts 7, Stephen's uh, on trial, being on, wrongly accused in the last moments of his life. And, and he says, you stubborn people, you heathen at heart and deaf to the truth, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? And then it gets really graphic. And it says they were cut to the heart and they covered their ears and they gnashed their teeth and they yelling at the top of their lungs and dragged him out of the city and they stoned him. And then this is what it says. And I'm reading from the text now. It says, as they stoned him, he was calling on God, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he died. They weren't asking for forgiveness. But he was crying out to God on their behalf. Sound familiar? Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And they weren't asking for forgiveness, but he granted it. And as I just, as I looked th back at those words that I had written, this question came to my mind. Maybe you'll ask it with me, but 
it was this, do I count it as joy if I've forgiven someone, but I'm still enduring the pain because they haven't chosen to make it right? That one cut. I sometimes struggle with that one thing, whatever it might be, that, that what's-his-name hasn't asked forgiveness for, not Austin. That, that was staged, by the way. I hope you guys know that. So you can just credit that one to my account <laughs> if I ever, yeah, okay. <laughs> Got to lighten up this a little bit, okay. I sometimes struggle with that one sin um, that what's-his-name hasn't asked for forgiveness for. But then the Holy Spirit reminds me that Jesus, because of his deep, deep love and his joy that was set before him, paid for that sin and my sin and your sin and the sins of the world all at one time and once for all time. Amen? That just blows my mind. Let's look at this little verse in 1 John 2.2. It says this, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only our sins, but for sins of the whole world. And in John 4, it says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Forgiveness was granted to both you and I before we ever said anything. That's unilateral forgiveness. But Jesus is offering us transactional forgiveness. Transactional forgiveness is just what happened between Austin and I. And when there's a desire for reconciliation and restoration of a relationship, it's what happened when you got saved. And when that happens, there's that instant, ah, it's a good feeling in your heart. It's joy. It's the freedom that he promised us. And what compels us to give us a heart that wants to forgive? That. Um, when we are compelled by the great debt that Jesus paid on our behalf, forgiveness will become much easier. The king in the story was compelled with compassion. The servant in the story was not compelled by the great debt that was paid for him. And I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I live as though God's forgiveness isn't that amazing. And I just shrug it off. And I think it's just what he does. So do we need to be compelled? I do. Let's look at this verse in Ephesians uh, 1. It says this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins and he showered us 
with kind, his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. And there's this one in Colossians. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you and me who were once far away from God. We were enemies and separated from him by our evil desires and thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled us to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him with a single fault. If you're having a hard time forgiving, I would just challenge you to take those two pieces of scripture or your own favorites and sit before the Father. And he delights in answering that prayer to show you who he is. You'll be compelled. When you let his words of truth penetrate deep within your heart, you'll find forgiveness to be much easier. I told this story a couple years ago. Uh, some of you might remember it. It's worth repeating. A lot of you haven't. Um, when we first, Kathy and I first went down to Bridgetown Church, we were asked to go be a part of a community in downtown Portland in the Pearl District. And there were about 50 to 60, 25 to 30 year olds, and we went with fear and trembling. Um, and we were all crammed into this gal's, graciously, she opened her condo to us. But there was also Richard. Richard was 44 years old. He was not somewhat of an eccentric. He was a real eccentric. And he would come to the gatherings in his bath, blue bathrobe and blue slip-on slippers and his stock and cap. And he was tattooed. I mean, the, the best artwork I've ever seen in my life. He was tattooed from here to the bottom of his feet. Every square inch of his body was absolutely gorgeous. But I sat there watching this guy in this group of people, and I'm thinking, what's this guy's story? Not, not sarcastically, but what's this guy's story? Well, Richard and I became friends. <laughs> And if I, if I lose it somewhere in here, it's because it's a tender subject about forgiveness, or an example, rather. And soon we learned uh, that Richard was dying of AIDS. He didn't have enough energy to put his genes on. And Richard called me any hour of the night and day, and he'd tell me he needed something um, asked me to do something for him, and I'd try to accommodate him. And most of the time, it involved me taking him across the street to the downtown Fred Myers to shop in his robe and his slippers and his stocking cap. And Richard's deteriorating health soon landed him in the ICU at Emanuel Hospital. And I'd try to make it up whenever I could. And he'd have me read to him in the Bible. But Richard had an estranged light relationship with his dad. In fact, they hadn't seen or spoken to each other in over 20 years. Dad was bitter over Richard's choice of lifestyle, even though Richard was stepping into freedom. And Richard was just bitter and angry because of it. 
So we would pray, and we prayed for reconciliation. We prayed for healing. We prayed for forgiveness. And he had a real desire to make it right in his heart. Well, Richard's health um, started going downhill really rapidly, and I was asleep in the dorm room at the fire station, having worked for the fire department. And I got a text from the IFCU nurse about 4 o'clock in the morning, and it read, Richard may not make it through the day. They want you to come. So as soon as I, uh, my shift was over, I hurried down to the hospital. And I came into the room, and he was really weak. Um, and he managed to say, read to me from John. And his real assertive, read to me from John. And he'd go in and out of it. And, um, and, then, he, and then he said something after a few minutes. He said, my dad might come today. And, and I'm thinking, um, I didn't hear anything about that from the nurses. Um, and I thought he wasn't thinking clearly. Um, and I kept reading. And then I hear a knock on the door. And the door swings gently open. And it was Dad. And he hurried over to Richard with tears in his eyes, and he embraced his son, and he said, Richard, will you forgive me? And Richard, with tears in his eyes, said these words. He said, Dad, I forgive you. Will you forgive me? And they were set free. Amen. And I was weeping, and I went out of the room to give him some time, and I... And I thought this in my mind. I just witnessed the supernatural power of forgiveness. Yeah. That's what it looks like. I had to get back to duty in the fire station that night. In the middle of the night, I got a call on my cell phone this time. It was the ICU nurse. And she said, Richard died about 10 minutes ago. And he wanted you to be the first to know. And I said, okay, thank you. And I laid back down on my bed after hanging up the phone. But I felt strangely blessed from the magnitude of what I had witnessed just hours before. I was sad to lose a friend, but blessed to know that both Richard and his father were set free by forgiveness. It was a beautiful transactional restoration between two men who loved Jesus. That's transactional forgiveness. Well, a couple things um, lighten it up a little, maybe a little. Uh, but I just want to give you a couple uh, things to look at as you go ahead and do these things because we're all going to have those opportunities to forgive someone, even this week. Um, and the, and if, uh, when you forgive from a good heart, you're making these promises. I will not bring it up again or use it against you. Sometimes the temptation is to hang on to that offense so I can use it later. Anybody relate to that? Just say, I forgive you and let it go. Remember, when you forgive, you're giving up what you think is your right to get even. Real authentic forgiveness requires a tender heart, just like the king in this Jesus story. The second thing I will not bring it up to others in gossip. 
don't bring other people in who weren't involved with the offense. You will be protecting uh, them against people who weren't part of the problem and may easily twist the truth and make it worse. You're protecting their dignity and building towards restoration and reconciliation when you keep it to yourself. And the third thing is I will not bring it up to myself and dwell on it. I will not intentionally replay it over and over and over in my mind. You may not forget it, but it's when that intentionality comes in there that it gets to be a bad thing. Don't replay the offense over and over and over again in your mind intentionally. What's helpful to me is if I'm on a walk and I'm feeling that start to replay, if I know the person's name, um, I will just go on the walk and say, I forgive you, Andoni. I forgive you, Andoni. I forgive you, Andoni. I forgive you, Andoni. <laughs> We're good. You know that. It's an example. He's never done a bad thing to me in his life. But you get the point. Uh, it's 70 times 7. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit will remind you that the transaction's already been complete. You're just agreeing with what God already did. Amen? And forgiveness doesn't mean that you need to stay in harm's way. Jake talked beautifully about this last week, so I encourage you again to go listen to it. But healthy boundaries can be good if they're boundaries that are made out of love and we don't allow the boundary to become a place where we store bitterness <laughs> and anger and all those things. Um, last thing, um, asking for forgiveness. Sometimes the hardest thing to come out of our, our mouths are, I was wrong. I mean, it just is. And I know that, there's, know that there's a difference between just making an apology, saying I'm sorry, and asking for forgiveness. If I accidentally spill ice cream on your brand new white carpet, I'm going to feel sick. And I'm going to go, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me help you clean that up. Oh, man, that's a mess. And I'll never have ice cream again and, and, and whatever it might be. But it's coming from a tender heart. There was no sin involved. You didn't intentionally do it. If I intentionally throw my ice cream on your carpet with the chocolate sauce and then add a few spicy words like, why in the world would anybody ever buy a white carpet? That's sin, and I need to confess it. And by doing so, I'm restoring my relationship with you and Jesus. It's routine heart maintenance. The Bible regularly calls us to repent in order to restore a relationship with Jesus and one another. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from most of our unrighteousness. No. It says all of our unrighteousness. We become his righteousness. That's a beautiful thing. So a couple things. Uh, these are just some things that Kathy and I hand out to those. Uh, some of you maybe got this list that we've done premarital counseling with, and they can look a little bit differently, but is that already up there? Awesome. Um, 
it doesn't have to look exactly like this, but at minimum, we need to agree that what we did was sin, just like I did with Austin, and call it that, and be specific about the sin, <laughs> and then recognize that it hurt him, and then ask for forgiveness. So that's what these say. Number one, acknowledge that you have sinned against them. Be specific about your sin. Acknowledge that what you did hurt them. Ask for forgiveness. Will you forgive me? We gave this list to one couple. I won't mention their names. And um, as I just said, we often do. And they were really, really struggling with this. Um, they had a long history of just bickering and, and really serious conflict resolution. Loved each other. We're getting married. And we handed them this list. And the next week when they came back into our home, um, the guy said, I went out in front of her car before we got in the car, and I looked at that list, and I read those things to her. And it changed our life. <laughs> and they came back, and it wasn't just words that he said. We witnessed a transformation in their life just because they were able to do forgiveness. It's what Jesus did for us. It's what he's asking us to do in this story. Amen? And I would just encourage you, we're about done here, but if practice these things even in the little offenses. And, and once you practice them, you'll find when there gets to be that big offense, wherever it comes from, it's going to make it a lot easier for you to forgive because you're just practicing what the Word of God says. A few weeks ago, um, God took me back to a memory from my childhood. I grew up in Northeast Portland, uh, and when we went to a church that had a bell tower, anybody remember? I mean, you've probably seen those. Uh, and the bell was rang before a gathering um, to announce to the community that church is going on. And now you just get an alert on your phone if you remember to put it on your calendar. But there was a bell tower, and I was maybe five or six, and I remember my dad on occasion, he was one of the leaders in the church, and um, he would take me up into the bell tower, and I felt great to be with dad, and we're going to get to ring the bell. And he, I couldn't pull on that rope, make anything happen, but he would put my hands, intertwine them with his, and he'd start to pull that rope. And it would go bong, 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 bong. And it was so loud, I let go. And I would put my hands over my ears. And then eventually he would let go of the rope and it would still be ringing bong, 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 bong. And I remember being glad when it started to stop. I vividly remember that. And then it would come to a complete halt and there was no more sound. When you forgive, you're letting go of the rope. There's victory and healing and hope waiting you. Chains that have held you hostage are broken. The bell stops ringing. You're set free. Please listen, listen, listen. When you forgive and ask for forgiveness, you've just crossed over into the supernatural like Richard and his dad. And we express the love of Jesus in very, very powerful ways.
Some of us tonight just need to let go of the rope. And some of us need to do a transaction of forgiveness between a friend or a neighbor or a boss or a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter or a spouse. And a lot of you do this really, really, really good. <laughs> but we need to practice it because we'll all have plenty of opportunities to ask forgiveness or grant it. Or maybe you're here tonight <laughs> And you need to receive the transaction of forgiveness that King Jesus is offering. Free of charge. You're feeling compelled, and that's the Holy Spirit, by what he did for you on, on, what he did for you on, on your behalf. And, and you're saying, Jesus, you have forgiven me without ever asking for it, without me ever asking for it, without me ever saying a word. But now I want to do the transaction. I believe in you. You paid the debt of my sin once and for all. I confess it to you. I'm deeply loved by you. I surrender myself to you and receive you as my Lord. Let's stand together. Freedom is on the other side of forgiveness. I want to do one thing before we, we pray. In John 8, 36, it says this, so if the Son sets you free, I am free indeed, or you are free indeed. I'm going to say that first phrase. You're going to answer back by saying, I am free indeed. So if the Son sets me free, I will be free indeed. Again, so if the sun sets me free, I'm free amen, let me pray. God, thank you for your word. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on our behalf. Thank you for your forgiveness for us. We love you. We give you all the glory. Pour out your spirit. Do what you need to do. And we just thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. And if we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website, saintshill.church. And the yoke is so much easier.